Good morning. I'm Karen Audubonny. So this morning we're going to be talking about cannabis. I know I've stayed away from this issue in the past. Um, I do follow what's going on at the county seat, as everybody knows, because I watched the Board of Supervisors meeting, and it has been a legal mess. So I'm not. that's not what I'm going to focus on, because as most of my listeners know, I'm a money person. I focus on money, 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 and where the money comes from, where the money goes. So I've been de- delving into the county budget to look at the numbers because I've always felt, I have to say, embarrassed, highly embarrassed for California and specifically Mendocino County. We should have been leading the way, folks. We've been doing this for so many years. We got it down. We got the cultivators. We've got the genetics. We've been knowing how to do this for all the years I have been in Mendocino County. So to have watched this county fail and this state fail miserably has raised my blood pressure at times, made me throw things at the wall many times. And so I really don't deal with it on the air because I just can't control myself. But I have two gentlemen with me today that have been delving into this issue and they've got the patience much more than I have to really talk about the finances and what this industry could mean, should mean to the county. So with me in the studio is Jim Roberts. Jim, step up to your mic. Get close uh, there. Pull, mor- it, pull it close to you there. Got it. Good morning, uh, Karen, and it's uh, good to be on uh, on the show. Thank yeah. You. Jim is um, Jim is on, and I referenced him as he is a what I call a cannabis entrepreneur. Uh, Jim has a what I call uh, farm to mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know what else to call it, Jim. Um, he they, he's a legacy farmer. He has a shop that he sells his uh, pharmaceuticals, or I don't think they call them pharmaceuticals, medical marijuana, his recreational marijuana, whatever you call it nowadays. Uh, in Philo, he's been doing this. Um, he's on the board of West Company for development. Uh, that's right. Correct. Yep, we are. Yep, yep. Yes, I know his record. Um, and he's also got invited to step up on a statewide. Uh, committee that I'll let him talk about. The other gentleman on the air with me, and I want to tell folks it may be a little tough to hear, is Michael Katz. Michael is on the coast. His power went out. His power went out, and um, so he is sitting in Mendocino, and he's zooming on his phone. So, Michael, are you with us? Yes, hello. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we got you. We had to uh, bump everybody up. I think everybody can hear us now. The tones are low. So Michael is with the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance, MCA, and Michael speaks almost every week. There's every board meeting at the supervisors meeting. Um, Shout out, Michael. We've never met. I know your voice very well because I've listened to you for several years at the board of supervisors meeting. And my shout out to you is, sir, you have the patience of an angel. (laughs) Seriously. Um, you, well, I sincerely appreciate that. You do, sir. I have listened to you deal with the, I don't even know what you call it, the mess that this county has managed to put themselves in, ourselves in. Um, and you do it with patience, you do it with clarity, and you keep their feet to the fire. So I thank you. Um, keep doing it because this is an incredible industry that is just not not being recognized and supported in the county. So... We're going to talk about the financial side of it today. So I'm going to bring in Jim first because you've got some perspective. You've been doing this. You're like one of the few only legacy farmer in Mendo. Uh, no, I mean, there's many of us here. You know, um, we're, we're second generation. So my mom, who we lost uh, back in November, um, 
she was almost 91. She started the cultivation at uh, the family farm here in uh, Anderson Valley. Um, we have a small cultivation, only 5,000 square feet. She had rheumatoid arthritis and grew it for medical purposes or medicinal purposes. Um, she made an ama- amazing bomb that uh, was used uh, for, to help her. And then also friends of ours that were going through chemo, uh, that sort of thing. Um, I've been involved in cannabis myself for a long time, uh, actually 40, probably 40 years because I'm getting really old here. <laughs> Uh, and, um, you know, you, it, you know, lived in San Francisco during the uh, AIDS crisis, you know, uh, saw how cannabis could actually help friends of mine that were actually dying um, and help them with, uh, you know, their appetite and just pain. Um, so um, I've taken a departure because I have several other businesses. And when uh, my mom was not able to cultivate anymore, we decided that we would take over the uh, family farm. And at that time, it was becoming legal. Um, and it's now become my passion project. I, this plant is absolutely amazing. I'm an avid gardener. Um, along with the cannabis, we have about 500 rose bushes on the property. Of an, or we have an orchard. Um, so if I have any free time, I'm out in the garden. And um, uh, I have grown many things. And as Michael Pollan says, the best gardeners uh, of our generation right now are cannabis gardeners. And um, and I, I and we're also delving into rare cannabinoids, um, which I think are going to be very uh, up and coming, you know, as we move forward as far as helping people and also experience, having a different experience than just really high THC. Well, not only are you a farmer, but you were invited to sit on a statewide agency. Can you just give us a quick idea sure. of what that is? Because I think this is really an important thing you're doing yeah well well with my involvement with west uh business development center you know i'm actually actively involved in trying to help our communities have a better way of life with the with the economics and west does an amazing job at that it's also kind of the economic lead for the county right now um i was nominated through our director there and um brought to the attention of cal os BA, which is a small business advocate um, under the governor. And um, from there, I went through several interviews. Then actually, I was approved by the governor's office. There's only 32 members on the entire task force. And we have about an 18-month to two-year commitment that's volunteer. And they brought me in because of my experience with cannabis, particularly because they're seeing this as an issue in all counties around us. And then also uh, living in a rural community. So I'm, I'm there to advocate not only just for cannabis, but I'm really there to advocate for all our small businesses and see what resources we can bring back to uh, to Mendocino County. Fantastic. That's great. We need um, one thing that's always I've seen over the years doing the show and being watching politics is the rural counties of California are going up against um, L.A., right. SoCal, and where the money is. And yep. the, at the issues are... I actually find that the rural communities, whatever your politics, do come together for rural issues. So, yeah. all right. Then on the air with me on the on Zoom on the phone is Michael Katz. Michael, step up to your phone. Are you there, sir? I am here. All right. So, Michael, you're you're the executive director of Mendocino County Alliance, Mendo- yeah, Cannabis Alliance. Excuse me. Um, so. Your role is to work with uh, growers. Uh, just give me a little quick, uh, give our audience just a little quick update on what you do and what's going on sure. with you. So the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance is the the premier uh, voice of the licensed and uh, legacy cannabis communities in Mendocino. We have uh, a membership, the over 110 members at the, this moment. Uh, we have a democratic process. So it's really volunteers from the community participating in the different committees of the organization and developing policies and procedures and 
policy positions. Uh, and then I am there to work with those, uh, those folks and to then be their advocate and to be the, the, you know, the voice uh, of the people that I represent. And so we are both focusing on policy advocacy, which we do at the local level and then at the state level through our Trade Association Origins Council. And then we also are developing uh, market access programs to help our community get access to the retail uh, and wholesale markets. And so through that endeavor, we've created something called Mendocino Cannabis.shop, which is uh, a platform for locally licensed cannabis operators to get access to the market. And we have uh, outlets in Sacramento and in Big Sur and here in Mendocino at Plant Shop and Dragonfly on the coast uh, and sold to Mendocino. So just a really, uh, you know, comprehensive effort to provide stability and support for the cannabis community in Mendocino County. Well, Michael, you're probably the one to ask how many, I call them dispensaries, I guess you'd just call them markets. How many cannabis markets or businesses are there actually in Mendocino County? Do you know that? Well, I mean, I'd, I'd have to rough guess, I'd say within the county number of dispensaries, maybe a dozen. Uh, oh, that's, okay. uh, and that's licensed dispensaries mm-hmm. who are through the, you know, go through the local authorization process and they're licensed by the state to only sell products that are licensed and, you know, in the regulated system. I, w- I would say at least a dozen. Yeah. At least it, a dozen. Probably more. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, that's good. I mean, so I, because I get to Ukiah, I see Anderson Valley, and I go occasionally go to the coast. Um, and I know that are those, so I, I have one beef, I'll put it out on the air, and I know Jim and I talked about this uh, a few days ago. I have one beef, and that's um, with the big uh, cookies, the big blue building on State Street in Talmadge that came in. I know I did a little bit of Googling on it when it came in, and that's an outside big company mm-hmm. that's come in to put a cannabis store in the county. So of this dozen or so, are most of those locally generated, do you guys know, one of you or the other? Uh, you, you can chime in, Michael, but the ones that I know of, most of them are locally owned there there's a couple i can think of that maybe have some outside interest okay. um, from other areas um the cookies actually is uh the mountain mike pizza guy i think he oh. actually franchised it off of cookies but um yeah it, it doesn't f- really feel congruent with what we're trying to s- show here in mendocino county as far as our our legacy and craft growers michael what about you do you think well, well i would say Sure. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, it, as Jim said, it is uh, a local business person, the Chandy Hospitality Group, that did bring on this franchise, and they are uh, members of the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance and okay. committed to the local support of the, the community. They carry many local products on their shelves as well. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different uh, market approaches to accessing people who are interested in cannabis. The Cookies brand is very strong. Uh, it has a lot of uh, power in the marketplace, uh, but I'm really grateful that they have brought in local products, and they're they're a local business, really, who's trying to succeed kind of in the same way that a lot of other businesses are trying to succeed, identifying pathways to, to work through, uh, and the issue that we've found here is that just the the environment the the foundational environment is being very challenging for our local cannabis businesses from the retailers all the way through the cultivators uh and so you know we are trying to identify ways to address those issues and improve conditions for everybody 
Good to know. Um, I will step back then on the on being out yeah. after the cookies. I just I like to see. I mean, I I'll do, do the same. Yeah, I mean, I like to see the smaller mom and pa's, as we say, growers and legacy farmers and the small mom and pa businesses and keep it. I'm I am local, local, local mm-hmm. all the way. So, but what I wanted to jump in with one hundred percent, and just to point, yeah. if oh, if I may, yes, uh, just you know, and I think that it's important to when any of these businesses are operating here in Mendocino, it is, we have such a huge legacy and cultural value within the cannabis space here. And, you know, the, the shops that are committed to participating with those folks and really promoting local businesses, uh, I think that should be really supported. And uh, all the folks that I mentioned are certainly in that, in that space. And, you know, like Plant Shop, for example, in Ukiah, also mm-hmm. they have a great uh, selection of all local products and it really is important that we we promote any of these businesses that are coming in and make sure that they are promoting our local community yeah i know plant shop in particular has been amazing you know they just they really have gotten behind the local cultivators and have done a great job with it and and Ukiah. Good yeah. to know. Let me just take a minute. Uh, folks, you're listening to uh, KZWX and Z. I'm Karen Audubonny. This is TKO. Today we're talking about uh, the financial aspects of cannabis and the effect it has on the county. And my guest is Jim Roberts from the Madrones in, um, well, actually it's from the Bohemian Chemist. Let's say it That's the right. right way. That's a Bohemian <laughs> Chemist is his shop. And if you haven't had a chance to get in Philo to see what he's done, I mean, it is just epic. It's wonderful. And Michael Katz from Mendocino Cannabis Alliance. So I took a, I took some time and I looked over the county budget. I know I told Jim and Mike I was going to Michael I was going to do this to see what kind of money we're talking about. So we have a cannabis tax. It's a cannabis business tax and for I'm looking at 2021 adopted budget they're looking at 6.5 million dollars to bring that tax in. Um, another tax that is associated with the cannabis business would be our TOT transient occupancy tax that would be the people that come in for wine and we now wine and weed wine waves and weed and wilderness we got the four w's um and that tax the sales tax or the transportation tax uh is it's called the room occupancy tax Mm -hmm. under the budget they show it at six million dollars and then the others say you have the sales tax Mm -hmm. so i'm not sure the sales tax would be for people buying uh food at restaurants Mm -hmm. would would be people buying cars people buying supplies to grow or be or having money because of their growing and selling to be able to buy things in the county um and that number is $7.8 million. That's a big chunk. And all of those revenues coming in, I will sure. tell my listeners who know that I do this, that's technically discretionary income. That the, It's a very little pocket that the supervisors have of money they can put where they need to, like maybe roads mm-hmm. and potholes right. and that kind of stuff, or infrastructure, right. or other things. I, I know with our small business, <laughs> you know, because we, we, we have the hotel too, so we're paying, yeah. we're paying on all those different uh, line items that you're talking about. Yes. And and uh, we're paying about $30,000 every quarter, thirty to $40,000 every quarter, to the county in, class, in taxes that we're collecting. Correct. So, what I'm trying to get at, listeners, is that this industry in Mendocino County, which is now can be above board, um, can, does, and will potentially bring in a lot of money to the county if it's done right and it's done well and that's what 
these two gentlemen are going to help us find out is what the potential is. Jim, you've been doing marketing to bring people to your it's not a resort it's a property whatever you want to call it because you have you have beautiful gardens you have a restaurant there you have the uh apothec tasty room the apothecary the you have uh rooms luxury accommodations accommodations and you're actually starting to reach out to come for the wine the waves and stay for the weed i think is kind of what you said right yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) a controversial uh, tagline but yeah absolutely yeah yeah, so how is that working? I mean, are you getting, I know, I want to just say, I did have a chance, um, Jim sent me, uh, they did an interview, he and his partner Brian did an interview with Travel Weekly on tour, uh, cannabis tourism. So if you just Google um, Travel Weekly, you can actually listen to, it's almost an hour. I think they podcast. did. It's yeah. so a podcast. Uh, incredible. I mean, it really wraps up kind of what we should be doing right so and, yeah and they're yeah. they're actually um you know travel weekly is an international kind of go-to for people that are in the travel industry yeah and when they approached us they they were on the search to find out what what is cannabis tourism going to look like and um, had a hard time coming up with many properties ours is actually completely unique to any really in the country um th- that we have a cannabis lounge we have food that's being served um we have a restaurant we have luxury accommodations we have wine tasting rooms on the property a gift shop um so the madrones and the brambles comes out as a very unique experience and um so we had a nice long interview with them and how we uh, you know vision this to be happening in in our county in particular you know we 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 patterned our small micro business which our cannabis business off the small boutique winery model you know basically we're we're actually showcasing what we grow ourselves from our farm we also do showcase other products um and um that was really the model that we had so um that's our approach um we need to be very careful on how we approach that with our audience because we had a built-in audience that was coming for wine that's very different um but i think given the way that we have presented our on the property um, it feels very non-threatening we have people kind of poke into our shop and say well gosh I'm, I don't really smoke marijuana I'm not really interested and then the next day they'll come in and say well my shoulders hurting or you know I, I used to do it in high school and and we try to guide them with a little bit of a reintroduction there and be very mindful that we want them to have a good experience and a positive experience so um, it's been received really well I think that the potential here for the county is enormous because we are a legacy growing region that's internationally known um, we're kind of ground zero for you know um being one of the best regions in the in the world and um so think of it kind of as a napa valley what happened in the napa valley in the 70s i mean it's the same type of thing so i think there's a a great opportunity and also we do farm tours we um will have actually we had a, a farmer's market uh, with the help of mendocino cannabis alliance and um we also had a live auction on our property that raised over twenty thousand dollars um, for mental health services that was put on by Nikki and Swami. Um, so we gave back to the community that way. Um, all of these activities have been sparking a lot of interest, and there's some people that are going to come to this area just particularly to, to know more about cannabis and to go to a legendary cannabis region. Why they're here, we're also, we, we've seen all the data. Folks are also, if they're partaking in cannabis, they also like wine. The majority of them do too, and other activities. So this is not a just an insulary uh, community that's focused in on one thing. Um, and I think um, you know they're they're just uh, the potential is enormous. So that's one thing that's really kind of driving what we're doing, along with our continued support of the wineries that are in the area and the local businesses that are in the area. All this is important to us. So well, I've said for years that you've had in the wine industry years ago, you had the two buck chuck. 
buck or you could right. buy it by the big gallons and the you know that kind of stuff and it was called two buck chuck literally and then you had your high-end pinot and i've said for years that that's where mendocino county is with cannabis we are going to be the pinot of the cannabis market so that's been my philosophy so michael is there anybody else is your organization working with anybody else that's uh, trying to do what jim roberts is doing or is thinking about it or how do you feed into that sure yeah i mean i would say that there's a good number of of cannabis operators who would like to do stuff that's similar to what Jim is doing. Uh, you know, Jim is, uh, has very diversified portfolio. They have, he's been doing a lot of things for a long time. So he has a lot of stability in ways that a lot of maybe the smaller, uh, some of the other smaller operators don't have, but there is uh, a major drive to connect with consumers. I mean, I think it's important to note also that I'm glad you brought up, uh, the, those different financial areas as being contributed to by cannabis because it's it's accurate. You know, there's data that shows that 20% of tourists are cannabis uh, interested. Uh, and that, you know, there's a range of enthusiasts to curious, but, you know, that's 20% of people that are already traveling. And as we said earlier, this is a region that has the most, like, worldwide, we are incredibly well known for having the highest quality cannabis available in the world like we don't have to do any advertising to let people know that it is already out there what we have to let them know is that it's available and so what jim has been doing uh with the access and bringing in people to the to the property uh to show them what this comprehensive experience looks like it's been incredible people who like cannabis also like outdoors activities mendocino is perfect for that hiking uh the ocean uh you know there's so much beauty natural beauty here and this is a complementary community so uh farmers are working on their brands they would like to be able to do you know comprehensive packages with farm tours and it's been great to see visit mendocino for example stepping up over the past year and really helping to uh, amplify the these opportunities such as the mendocino craft farmers auction that jim mentioned or the farmers market style uh events that we've had where the craft cultivators come together and we have people driving in from as far as big sur from as far as sacramento uh you know from all over the state to enjoy this and so this really is the beginning and it is up to us as a community to put the proper resources into educating consumers that, hey, you know, you're already coming to Mendocino and now we've been developing this even more uh, impressive cannabis infrastructure. Uh, but in order to promote that, we actually have to have it existing and surviving and, you know, maintain the legacy operators like Jim, uh, who have been doing this, but who are significantly challenged by the regulatory environment. Yes, and the 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 challenging regulatory environment is a big, big issue. I will say I am pleased to see that um, Supervisor Haschek from up in Willits, he's been very involved. He was actually, he's been very involved with the cannabis and stepped up. He was the first one to really get involved, oh, I think, absolutely. and be proactive. Yeah. And then I've been hearing more from Mo Mulhern. Oh. She's talking about, actually, she was referencing, I don't know if Jim and you, I'm sure Michael heard this, um, she was talking about the Redwood Trail, that they're mm -hmm. talking about the walking trail along the railroad tracks, but there's a section of it through Ukiah that is pretty well 
together and they're increasing it. And she talked about that being part of the cannabis tourism, mm-hmm. too. Right. You know, because it's a trail, you get out, you walk, you can be on the Russian River and all of that. So she's now starting to look at it as an economic driver, I believe. That's that's good news. You that's know? good news. Yeah, right. and I had, I had a meeting with uh, Supervisor McGordy yesterday, yes, too. Yes, tell. Yeah. Actually, you had a meeting not only with Supervisor McGordy, but uh, Representative Huffman was in the area. Was he at that meeting, too? He was not at that meeting. Oh, they, okay. were me- they were meeting ahead of time on the okay. um, the access to the to the river by the bridge here. But uh, um, I had a really Brian and my partner had a really good meeting with Supervisor McGordy. Yeah, do tell. Uh, I think that um, you know he. I, I see that he does support small farms. You know, I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of narrative. Um, I was asked very pointed questions um, regarding you know why are we having such trouble getting these operators actually licensed and permitting. You know, I said that you know basically the you know the community doesn't really get a lot of clear answers and we feel like well maybe it's the supervisors giving direction that they really don't want small farms here in Mendocino County um, and he said that for him that was not the case you know he really thinks that the small model can work really well and um, and he actually got a good opportunity to see what our operations like I let him know how we're doing our, our business is thriving we're, we're actually in shops we're doubling our retail partners throughout the state right now and if we can do it Michael mentioned earlier we do have a lot more resources and I'm very mindful of that um, than maybe some of the other uh, farmers that are out there um, but I think that there are models and Michael's actually had spearheaded one of them which is this direct, director consumer uh, program uh, there could also be um, co-ops and people sharing facilities um, that could be actually put up here in the county so that they don't have to build as much infrastructure as businesses and farmers. So I think there's a lot of ideas that are going out there. But but um, but Glenn actually was uh, was showed showed a lot of support. And I think we all in the community need to continue to press this. You know, what was happening, and I don't want to get too much into the, the nuts and bolts of it, but what was happening a couple of years ago when they wanted a 10% expansion and they were trying to pass a, you know, a phase two of this ordinance, it really, um, really was shot down by the greater community, but also the legacy farming community. They, you know, they uh, they actually wanted the ordinance, but we we really wanted to actually have this other option to get ourselves processed, but we didn't want the ten percent expansion. So we weren't against the ordinance; we were against the ten percent expansion. And the reason why is that you know we have a very unique thing here with all these small farms and these legacy farms. I felt like if it was going to grow, I, I I don't mind measured growth. I think there are room for myself. I think there is room for some corporate players. But I think we have to be very mindful on how we do this, and we don't just ruin, you know, what we are known for as far as a brand here. So uh, they reference like Santa Barbara, and people want to go out and you want to shop at Walmart or want to buy Gallo wine, you can go ahead and do that, you know. But why should we, you know, really risk losing what is actually here that has a really unique story and a very, you know, has genetics and actually has a very a unique story. These folks, these small farmers, need to have a seat at the table first, and um, because I think this is really going to be what's going to make our county unique. You know that we haven't opened up so quickly like other counties. Well, and that's one of the reasons I'm doing this show is because I want our listeners to understand the marketing that can go on, the incredible opportunities we have as Mendocino County because we are unique mm-hmm. and and we are a brand that is known nationally. Um, Michael, the the group that you're working with, um, do you have any projections? I mean, is there an idea of what the potential is for the county to bring in? I I quoted the numbers that are in the budget now, but if we were to really up our game with marketing and the county and the supervisors and the cities really work to help that move along, what kind of potential do you you see in this 
Sure. Well, I mean, just looking a little bit back to kind of look forward, okay. uh, there's a couple of things that we can look at. So the county uh, did an addendum to the crop report in 2020, and that I, that document showed an estimate of about $131 million of economic activity driven in the county through what turns out to be only 290 acres of licensed cannabis canopy. So, you know, in 2020, compare that to the 16,000 acres of wine grapes that generated in that year, I think it was something like 81 million. Thankfully, the, those numbers are moving upwards. But, you know, we're talking at that time about a difference of about $450,000 an acre of economic activity generated compared to about $5,000 an acre of economic activity generated. And that economic activity, as you said before, goes into buying stuff at restaurants, you know, going to local stores. You know, most of these people, when they they're bringing money in. That money is being spent within the community. Uh, if they're small businesses, if they're local, if they have a stake in the in the area, you know. Uh, and there was this idea previously that oh, maybe the value was to be seen in you know large corporate commodity cannabis cultivation at gigantic scale. But as Jim said, and as we've been talking about, you know, the, and as you mentioned, you know, the Pinot, like the craft market. If you look at any consumable anywhere uh you know you have the commodity version the lower price versions then you have the versions that are considered higher quality that are craft that are cared for individually by experts in the field and that's what we have here uh so for what we can look forward to at a minimum is getting back to this place where you know the economy is cyclical we're in a downturn now this is not a death spiral uh but it will be if we can't provide stability for the operators that are here who have already volunteered and who have been willing to pay taxes, right. who are willing to pay these, uh, you know, some might call them exorbitant taxes mm -hmm. just to operate. You know, and now we see other counties uh, that are heritage cultivation regions reducing their exorbitant cannabis taxes because while the market was one thing a couple of years ago, there have been significant changes. And while we know there is value here and we know that individual farmers, if they were able, say, for example, to sell direct to consumer, they could generate returns that are significantly higher than they could at the moment in the wholesale commodities market, which is where most of them have been. But there's this transition now happening to packaged product and to going direct to consumers. There's been political advocacy on that front. So if the board and the county were putting efforts and energy and resources into lobbying the state along with the legacy heritage cannabis community for some of these changes, uh, both market-based and regulatory-based, that would create a stable environment and not have all of these permitting issues, you know, we could expect to see at least what we saw before as things move forward. But as we draw more people to the region, as we invite the world to experience the craft cannabis that they've heard about their whole lives from the Emerald Triangle, uh, you know, there's the, the sky is the limit, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything that we see here in wine can happen here in cannabis uh, and it really is just a question of, of putting the right efforts forward. I'm glad you mentioned Supervisor Haschek as, you know, being uh, an advocate and trying to really get into things. Um, but what we really need is the full board to be making directions uh, to the staff and uh, uh, 
uh, to the department that will stabilize these folks so we can generate that revenue. But right now, there's not really any effort being taken to protect the revenue source, to protect the people that have been creating the revenue. And uh, it's almost like there's some resignation that it won't uh, continue and that, oh, we'll just have to figure out a way around it. You know, the cannabis uh, program, the people who are in it have uh, put in more than $8 million more in taxes than were projected for the program as of May of last year. So there's significant contributions coming in, not just directly to the county, but also uh, you know, in ancillary ways. And it's really important for every Mendocino resident that we write this ship and start pre- preserving and promoting our local licensed cannabis community. So, Michael, didn't the state actually lower cannabis tax or were they were talking about it, the legislature? Cultivation tax. The cultivation well, tax? Is that yeah. what the tax was? Okay. I knew they were looking at lowering one of the that taxes. Was one, yeah, that's one, one tax that was a weight-based tax that was also... Uh, ex- like outrageous to just have yeah, it in general. Yeah, it was really because bad. When the prices, yeah, when the prices fell, uh, you know, if it's a thousand dollars a pound and the tax is a hundred and fifty dollars, <laughs> then it's one thing. But if it's three hundred dollars a pound and the tax right. is a hundred and fifty dollars, it's quite another. Yeah. So yeah, that, so that, 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 that was removed. Yeah. Yeah, that went that went that yeah, yeah it was, that went away, which was really important for, for the cultivators, for everybody, really. You know? Well, I would well, I would actually say that. It wasn't as effective as folks would have hoped for cultivators because a lot of the times, if you're selling wholesale, that tax kind of just moves down the supply chain until it hits retail. It was benefiting cultivators who, it has benefited cultivators who sell product to retail stores and have a brand and packaged product because they're no, that no longer is something that they have to pay out. But that's a small percentage of i think the overall licensees are folks who currently have brands or or Mm -hmm. there's still people developing that and that savings was supposed to happen across the entire supply chain and the challenge that we really have i mean not to digress too much but with the excise the state excise tax of 15 percent that comes on top of any local cannabis taxes and any sales taxes uh you know we're seeing the licensed product in a licensed dispensary is generally going to be significantly more mm-hmm. than folks would see in an unregulated shop. And so it's, we really need to drive people to be purchasing from the regulated market and informing them where the licensed right. shops are. But that's, there's, there's a challenge there because the state's taxes are, you know, driving away consumers. Yeah. I- so wait a minute. So, how how hard is it actually? I know the licensing to grow has been a just a nightmare. How hard is it to get licenses to actually have a shop to sell? That's a whole different. It that's is. a whole different legislation yeah. or yeah. regulation. Because yeah. what I'm hearing you guys talk about and what I hear every time I listen to these shows and the board of supervisors is. The one thing I keep coming back to is, and I say this to every supervisor, does the wine industry have to deal with this? No. I mean, I'm trying to figure out what's the difference between wine versus cannabis, and why are we make one so easy and the other so difficult? It's 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 jump it's, in either I'll one of you. you. Yeah, I mean, well, it's very complicated. Go ahead, Michael. I have a couple. Just couple streamline things to say it, about Michael. Yeah. Just streamline <laughs> it. I mean, isn't it isn't it outrageously ridiculous? Well, I mean, it's because of. It's because of federal prohibition. Okay, that's it's it. Because right, yeah. can. It's, be, it's because they can. It's because they can, honestly. Okay. Uh, it's because cannabis is not designated as an agricultural crop. It's designated as an agricultural product in California state uh, law. That's and commercial. so what that means is that it's not 
like any other vegetable or plant, even hemp, anything, it can, it's treated more or less, you know, like plutonium. And so there's all these extra uh, land use requirements. Uh, you know, they literally at the state level, like they're treating each one of these 10,000 square foot or less gardens in Mendocino that was previously operational as new commercial development. And so it's basically like you're building a shopping mall in a, uh, you know, on your farm. Uh, in this, but it, and yeah. so it's just so uh, completely outside of the realm of reasonability. And so nobody, upon entering this program, especially in Mendocino, when they said, hey, we have a ministerial program, you just give us these things, you can operate, you move forward, and then, you know, turns out, oh, you actually have to have a site-specific review, and, right. uh, you know, yeah. per the California Environmental Quality Act, because it's not agriculture. And so it's all tied up in the fact that we're li- li- still living under prohibition, and until the rights of the farmers of cannabis align with the rights of the farmers of hemp and other vegetables, we're still going to have these sorts of issues. It sounds like we need to lobby our federal legislatures to get more more federal. I mean, I keep waiting for the Biden administration to throw this out because it'd be the perfect Mm -hmm. time. Considering there's, what, 23, 28 states now where it's legal? Something like that? It keeps going up. I mean, isn't it time just to, like, get over it and and do it? Because this is another issue that has come up with uh, marketing for for our industry in in California is that you can't market outside of state. I know Jim, you were talking about you, you've done great marketing around the state mm-hmm. in SoCal and right. the, you know and Santa Barbara and all that area, but you can't market out of state. You can't mail out of state. Right. And right. I was thinking when I was driving in, it used to be that way with wine. Yeah, many yeah. years ago, right. you couldn't mail California yeah. wine out of the state. Well, and then wasn't that a was that a fed, county law? Was that a state law or federal law that they had mm-hmm. to change to do that? Right. So we're kind of bu- bumping up against that mentality again. Well, well you, you spoke about Supervisor well, Huffman just a little bit ago. Yes. And actually, um, you know, he's introduced a bill to the floor right. um, called the SHIP Act. And that basically, once things do open up, that will allow actually farms of a certain size or cultivators to be able to ship directly to consumers uh, nationwide. So there, there is groundwork that's being done on the federal level, too. Okay. And on the state level, we need to apply pressure there also um i wanted to go back to a couple things one is um you know basically the idea when we were talking about the economy as far as here here locally um going back to uh, you know small versus a large producer that's here you know i've seen that what happens in the wine industry we have some great players that are outside players that are corporate players that actually really get back to our community there are a few of those there are There's, a few yes there, there are also others that actually just use ourselves our county as a real estate so they grow everything here it gets shipped out of the area all the dollars go out of the areas even some of their workers don't even live in the area oh yeah so my fear when we were trying to get this large expansion with a few really resource players is what's going to happen is that none of that money is going to go back to our communities and what we need to do is we need it we already have the infrastructure in place all these people have farms they've already gone through the state compliance part of it they just need they just at the last part of it and we need to really support them because they actually have their kids in school here they actually they shop here they build their houses here um that's they buy their cars here everything go to the restaurants i mean so these are the people that we really need to support because this is going to actually better the lives of everyone in the community these dollars will be going directly back to the community and and also to the uh, county you know so um yeah yeah no that that those are good points well as they have been and i think right the articles that just, you know, we saw recently in the Ukiah 
by a daily journal, like the sales taxes are down significantly. We saw a similar article come out about Garberville. Like we're seeing this socioeconomic decline in these rural areas. Uh, and it's because of the challenge of this process. You know, it's not like these farmers uh, aren't asking for special treatment. And that's the other thing. We're just asking for parity mm-hmm. with other industry. And so it can start at the state level. If the state designated in agriculture uh, tomorrow, then, you know, then the and cannabis farmers were treated like farmers of any other crop, that would create significant relief for our small farming community and would enable them to just focus on the business of running a business. You know, right now there's not even the stable environment from which to start a business, which is kind of the core responsibility of the county is to provide that environment. Right. And I think I, I was I was expressing this to Supervisor McGordy yesterday. I said, you know, I've spent so much time just trying to actually work with the county, get our annual license, um, advocate for ourselves. I, I need to be outside farming. I need to actually be marketing and promoting my business. I don't need to be spending all this time uh, doing this type of work, you know. And, and, and the crisis point at the moment is we're about five months away from kind of a deadline that's happening with the state that's going to actually kind of raise the bar on what we call our CEQA compliance, which all of us have to go through. So that's why we're sending in out an SOS at this time. Our county has only six annual licenses. So if you look at a provisional license, which is what I have, and you look at an annual it only has six annual licenses. That's less than 1% of the farms that are out there. If you go to Humboldt County, throughout the state, more than 50% of cultivators have actually an annual license. So I'm operating a business that I put in a tremendous amount of infrastructure for, and I don't even know if I'm going to get my annual license. The count, We've had our paperwork in the county for six years. I haven't had even a planner assigned to my file. I haven't. I haven't been issued a permit. And it's been six years. I've submitted my paperwork three to four times. So systemically, we need to understand what the problem is and and fix it. I, I in talking with our supervisor yesterday, he he felt it was not the direction of the board. Well, then where is the problem? The problem is is that the department is not actually putting out and and getting doing its job by issuing permits and annual licenses, which is what it should be doing. Yeah, no, 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 that's okay. I could make some comments. I know, I, you know, and I will throw it out here because I think I said something, I think I said something off the air to Dan Jurdy is I don't, I mean, I'm just going to throw this out and it doesn't need to go any further. I really don't think our county council is helping the situation, but there we go. That's my humble opinion, folks. 100%. Um, um, so, <laughs> and so the other thing is, is that the whole idea of the, of, the money that comes into the county should stay in the county. The money we can bring to the county because of tourism. I know in Colorado, I mean, again, embarrassing that Colorado, Oregon, and Washington could be ahead of the game. Right. I mean, seriously, folks, it's just one of the most embarrassing things. Um, in Colorado, when I was back there years ago, they were doing bus tours. So you could, they would take you to different farms, they'd take you to different restaurants, they'd take you to different dispensaries, and then you wouldn't have to drive. It was the designated driver thing. I mean, I could see that happening on the coast. I mean, I could see that happening, you know, inland on the corridors, you know, all of that. But is any of that even happening or can it happen under the yes, regulations? There is some Thank of that you. Is, is definitely Michael, happening. Yes, <laughs> tell there, us. There is some of that happening. I mean, there there are definitely some uh, organizations that I'm aware of that are you know providing uh, information and access and driving tours. Uh, like I think there's one Emerald Farm Tours 
uh, that operates mm-hmm. in the Triangle, uh, Mendocino Experience, mm-hmm. I think might be the name of one. But, you know, and even when we did the Mendocino Craft Farmers Auction, you know, there is the opportunity to connect with farmers and, you know, uh, bid on the tours of their farm and be able to come visit them where they're operating and where this incredible craft cannabis and award-winning cannabis is being grown. I mean, we, Mendocino won, uh, you know, 11 state awards at the California State Fair for our cannabis. Uh, And so, you know, there is interest. Uh, And as I mentioned earlier, when we've had these markets, these uh, like the one that was at the Brambles in June or July of last year, Mm -hmm. uh, and it was it was amazing. You know, we had signs outside that said cannabis farmers market, uh, people driving by. uh, People came from all over the area, uh, the Bay Area to attend. And it's like when people hear about these opportunities, they are interested, they want to come, and especially if they're just driving around the county having right. fun and they see, oh, hey, look, here's this other great thing. Yeah. Like that's Mendocino is kind of designed for that type of discovery. And so we, you know, it is the this incredible opportunity that is being, uh, you know, it's not completely being wasted, but it's not being as supported as it should be. You know, it's great, as I mentioned, Visit Mendocino is doing a lot of work to educate their audience about the cannabis offerings here. And so that's one part of the puzzle. But, you know, the structural foundational part uh, is is essential. Uh, and that not, doesn't just take the form of changing local regulations, which it does, uh, but also, you know, vehemently lobbying at the state level. The county has a lobbyist. You know, we had provided recommendations to the state legislative platform in December that were accepted by the committee that they were presented to, but then for two months were never added to the legislative mm-hmm. platform. So the even though it was directed to be done, so the issue, we lost months of lobbying on key issues, and I don't feel that the full board is putting enough energy and attention into those types of things. Like, it's kind of like, oh, the, let the department do what the department's going to do, and, you know, we'll kind of wash our hands of it. And so I'm grateful that there's more attention being paid, but that attention has to turn into immediate action. Yeah. And actually, leadership will actually blame this on a ministerial permit process <laughs> instead of actually a discretionary permit process. But there's there's no reason. I mean, we, we should at least be getting our permit. You know, I mean, I have certain things that have to happen with our cultivation for the state that I'm dependent on the county doing. I can't do them. The county has to do these things. So um, I, I think, you know, we need to change the narrative a little bit. It's, it's it, you know, the ministerial uh, ordinance that we have is actually very clunky. It has a lot of issues, but there's no reason why we should only have six licenses in the county at this point. You know, a lot of these farmers have really gambled everything and have come out of the shadows, have decided to actually be an active participant in the legal market. And um, they actually need ev- all the help that they can get and not further obstacles in getting there. So it's the state level we need to do it, county level, federal level. So as, as a business going in, are is it is it easy or is it difficult? How hard, let's just say, how hard is it to get a business license like you have right. for the Bohemian Chemist or uh, some of the other uh, commercial outlets? Is that a less 
in cumbersome Provinces. So, so the um, yeah. So, so our our shop is located at our Madrones property, right? And um, we went ahead and we applied for a, a, a admin permit with the county. It took us about five months, five months, but that was because we our zoning didn't allow for a okay. retail cannabis shop without us doing this. Um, the license our, our, we got ourselves. We're a micro business, so really quickly to to say what that is. We can do retail. We can actually we could do cultivation. We don't have it on that license. Manufacturing and distribution. So we can do all these things. It was actually kind of built for a small business like ours. Oh, okay. And um, we went through the process and got our annual. For our micro-business license, we were provisional, and we got our annual. The reason we got our annual is that we we're only dealing with the state on this. Once the county actually signed off on, yes, you can actually have your shop here, we had to work with the state. And, and so we're, we have the ability in our business, just with the two of us, to be able to get through this and get our annual permanent license with the state. For the business side of it. For the business side For the of business it. Side. And that, that process has been, you know, it's like, you know, death by a thousand cuts, but I mean, it's it's actually that it's process. Doable. It's doable. It is it's actually, doable. You're not absolutely. waiting six years to get a license. Michael, absolutely. what about your group? Are, are you finding that getting the licenses to do the businesses is much easier than the rest of it? Well, I mean, I think that in in certain areas, retail will be easier. But I will say that a lot of the land use issues, the CEQA issues that are being dealt with here in Mendocino for small licensed cultivators are actually also being dealt with in like Los Angeles for small equity retailers. Uh, so as Jim said, this is a statewide issue. We still have only 50% of licenses in the state that have transitioned from provisionals to annuals. Uh, and these deadlines that have been put in place are really arbitrary and haven't been based on the reality on the ground for any of these jurisdictions to try to do what's basically a completely anomalous application of CEQA. Mm -hmm. uh, and not to get too into the weeds on that, Origins Council did an amazing uh, paper, uh, or the Origins Council CEQA report, like 70-something pages uh, made up of three different documents. Uh, and CEQA is applied to cannabis in a different way than in any other way in California. And that's mm -hmm. one of the issues that we're dealing with uh, at the, you know, at the global level. But as Jim said, the, you know, this is a ministerial permit, but it's not significant enough to say it's all on the permit because and also we're hearing rhetoric that it's also the fault of the cultivators you know because they're yeah. doing this wrong and they haven't right. submitted that right and you know when you're constantly moving the goalposts and changing the forms and saying one thing one day and another thing the next day and not communicating things effectively like an educator said to me you know if you look at a class and 80 to 100 percent of the Participants are failing. Do you blame the participants right. or do you blame the teacher? Yeah, oh, that's, good. that's really good. That's yeah. a, that's a really good analysis. Yeah. Thank you, Michael, and, for that. And if yeah. you look at our, our micro business license, we were the twelfth micro business in the state to get their annual license. So we have the capabilities, just the two of us with a small farm, <laughs> to be able to get the paperwork through the state, be the twelfth business in the state to actually get this type of license. But I haven't had anyone even look at my paperwork at the county, and I've been in for six years trying to get a permit. Even. Right. So, so we were, we're talking about all the money, the potential of money coming into the county, guys. We're talking about sales tax. We're talking about the, the people going out and buying the restaurants and all of that. 
are the business groups, I don't know what business groups we have in the county, are the businesses groups standing up like Fowler Automotive yeah. and yeah. The, the car dealers and the restaurateurs, are they stepping up and saying to the county, get your act together because we're losing money because you don't have it together? I, I know the are wine... They, were they doing I, that? I, well, I know, and I'll let Michael speak to this too, but I know that I've reached out to our local wine growers association here yeah. in Anderson Valley, and uh, basically with history, there's been a lot of contention with wine growers associations and cannabis associations. Okay. Our, our Wine Growers Association has been very supportive. So um, I think we're, we're just starting to get more outreach with them. We're asking them to really kind of step up to the plate and actually support us in this. Because honestly, you know, if, if our business fails on the cannabis side, if just because we can't get our paperwork, we've already had discussions. We'll probably end up selling both our properties. I really am not, you know, I, I've done what I've been doing with the Madrones and the Brambles. We feel like we, you know, we brought it to where it is. The only thing that's really drawing me in and keeping me in is the cannabis aspect because I'm so passionate about it. Um, so that's a loss of a business right there. And the Wine Association here is really nervous about that because we're some of the only lodging that we have in the Valley. So uh, all in all, we've reached out to them, but that's that's our step two. Michael can speak to it too. I know he's reached out to other industries. Yeah, Michael, what about the business industries in the county, the business groups? Are they stepping up and saying, rallying behind you? Well, I mean, I've definitely had conversations with folks. Um, you know, it's, it, as you said, it's been impacting everyone. And I think that part of the attempt thus far has been to, you know, move through traditional advocacy efforts and hope that, you know, with all of the effort and energy and research-based recommendations that come in, that we'd see some progress. I think we're at a point now where it's clear that it's this is the, the last kind of uh, opportunity we have to send out the flare. So we're engaging right now in a renewed effort to bring together those various business groups. And I encourage anybody who's listening to the show who's got business uh, within Mendocino and is yeah. seeing the decline and is concerned about what that means for the county and for their businesses to contact me at michael at mendocannabis.com and you know we are certainly continuously involved in this advocacy and working to let the county know uh you know in an organized and strategic way how they can improve the conditions and i think right now you know certainly there's a lot of attention on the county i mean to be fair the state has been well aware of the challenges within the Mendocino Cannabis Department for some time. You know, we are uniquely challenged uh, throughout the state, even though many of our challenges are similar to people. We have this, you know, huge lack of annual licenses. Uh, and so, um, but this is a time where we really need to pull together and make the full community's voice heard. Because the last time the board heard the full community's voice related to cannabis, it was, we don't want this expansion. And, you know, I think that isn't the same as we don't want cannabis. People right. support the small farmers in Mendocino. People, mm -hmm. when you ask them, they don't want to see the small licensed operators, the people who've been paying into the system, the people who've been trying to stay compliant, like Jim, for the last six years, through all these moving goalposts, they don't want to see those farms abandoned. They don't want to see these people lose their homesteads. And so this now, this period is the most important yes. period in this process because starting in July, based on these statutory deadlines, if things don't change, these operators are just going to start being statutorily removed from the program. Yeah, we, and we, so whatever the board can do to move these things forward uh, and whatever we can do at the state to move these things forward has to happen in the next several months. We, we need stakeholder uh, out, stakeholder 
um, support and actually voices outside of our own community. I've reached out also to Visit Mendocino and our Wall Edging Partners. They're all behind this too. They really want to see our small farms here. So, but we need we need active stakeholder involvement. You know, not only with cannabis. I'm on the West Board too. Also, just with economic development, we need to actually have our stakeholders actually start to come together and really be the voices of this is what we want to see in our community. So a small a, a, a program that's put together very thoughtfully with measured growth for craft farmers within the county makes sense. I think actually the constituents want it, and I think you need to let uh, our leadership know about it. Well, that's why we're doing this show, you guys, because it is important and it is at a critical point. So I want to just take, I'm going to have to get out of here. I want to thank uh, Michael. Keep up the good work. Any last quick comment? Yeah, just thank you for the opportunity to speak and anybody who supports the stability and the future of small batch licensed craft cannabis in Mendocino should please check out mendocannabis.com. That's our website. And you can join, uh, sponsor, or donate to help uh, us continue our mission. All right. Hey, Michael, thanks so much. And I knew you had to drive to get to this, but you're doing great work. Keep up your patience, and I will keep listening to your reports. Thanks so much, Michael. I'm going to let Michael go. All right. And Jim, thank you so much for coming in. He's yeah. local and all the good work. Um, at some point in time, I do want to get you back on to talk about the statewide uh, committee you're on. So Absolutely. That would yeah. be good. Yeah, definitely. All right. Thank you. All right, everybody. This has been TKO again. We've been talking about cannabis and the money it can bring into the county. Uh, folks, be careful out there. When I came out, it was snowy on my ridge, icy and nasty. The roads are going to not get any better. So please take care and be safe. Uh, I will be back with you in two weeks. I'm not sure what we'll do, but thanks for tuning in. And if you have a business or know a business that can get behind and support this cannabis community and the financials that it brings into the county, please do it. Stay tuned. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.